chapter nine of natalie page this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. natalie page by catherine haviland taylor chapter nine a strange happening a week went by and not much happened and while i was not actively unhappy i was never once happy amy had lots to do and i didn't see her often and of course evelyn was hardly in at all and when she rarely was she was too cross to talk to i wondered about her as i had about uncle archie whether the return paid for what they both gave up for evelyn was tired and strained and losing all her sweetness and uncle archie had lost all his talk i came to feel that it wasn't worth while in either case i thought a great deal those days thought is almost forced upon you if you aren't a social success or can't play baseball you see in such case there is nothing to divert you and keep you from reflection so i thought i also wrote home often and sent willie jepson postcards because he sent me one of the jail on which he had written my room is marked with a cross there was a cross over the only window that is barred and he also sent me a picture of miss hooker taken i imagine in eighteen ninety two on which he had written she has consented to be mine sweet love has bloomed within my heart at last but i knew he got that out of a book because it didn't sound like willie those with a letter from uncle frank which contained much information about the larvae of the bee cheered me greatly the letter sounded so like uncle frank that all i had to do was to shut my eyes and then i could hear him ho-hum and i did that quite a good deal as i re-read his letter that week was i found afterward a normal week for my aunt and cousins and uncle but it seemed frightfully hurried to me every one had decided that i had been choked and chloroformed by a sneak thief and after uncle muttered about speaking to the building's owner about the fire escapes and aunt's warning ito and jane about the pantry window and one of mine which opens on an iron balcony as does one of amy's every one forgot the episode it seemed evelyn once lost a fur coat that way and that upstairs thieving was not uncommon but i knew they were wrong however nothing strengthened my belief until the event which came in the first part of the following week but that comes later as i said the week dragged by i lived through it very slowly it is strange how time is affected by the way you feel isn't it and at last it was friday my aunt was going out to a luncheon and because i had been alone all morning and wanted company i followed her to the hall and there we found mr kempwood's letter my dear said aunt penelope what a stunning hand and what a charming shade for letter-paper for you do let's see whom it's from i opened it feeling excited it was from mr kempwood and he asked if i would come down and have tea with him at four o'clock on saturday and he said that if i liked we would afterward take a drive my aunt said i most certainly could and then she kissed me with unusual interest and left and i took the letter and read it three more times especially the end where he had written and it is with genuine pleasure and great pride my dear miss natalie that i sign myself your friend samuel kempwood 
i did like that well i went in my room and thought about all the things i would wear and i hoped so much that my aunt would let me wear my pink dress but she didn't however i had such a good time that my disappointment was soon forgotten i decided i would wear my jewellery which consists of the jumel bracelet and a ring with a silver skull on it which willie jepson gave me i thought my tam would be best for motoring because it sticks on and mr kempwood likes it and i meant to accept that part of the invitation very hard because i love it and there never seems to be enough room in aunt's motor every one is always sorry but someone else always has to go amy has so many friends that it is difficult to pay them all sufficient attention this week she took them motoring each morning different sets and deeply regretted she couldn't take me but i understood how it was and said so i tried to make her just as comfortable as i could about it they are all being very kind to me that night evelyn had dinner at home uncle archie was there too and it might have been nice if they'd acted so but aunt sighed a great deal and said evelyn needed a new fur coat and that there was a beauty on fifth avenue for only twenty-two hundred and she made a long lecture about getting good things when you bought because they lasted and it really was an economy and then amy began to whine and say that if evelyn had a new coat she didn't see why she amy couldn't have one and that she felt like a pauper when she went to school i felt sorry for uncle archie he didn't seem to mind but i think it must have bothered him after he said huh a few times he turned to me and really spoke to me for the first time what do you want he asked must want something but i said i didn't and i added that i was grateful for all the lovely things aunt had bought me i told him that they were beautiful he looked at me hard said ha huh, and went on eating then i asked aunt if i could wear the pink dress to mr kempwood's party mr kempwood's echoed evelyn and she did not seem pleased when her mother told her about it i think that's very kind of him she said after her mother finished uncle archie went out after dinner and evelyn went to a dance with some friends at about nine and aunt penelope sighing and saying thank heaven she actually had an evening free wrote a lot of notes and telephoned friends making engagements for all the evenings of the next week amy and i went to bed at nine thirty because we are supposed to at nine amy sleeps with me now because she thinks i may be frightened at least that is what she says but i privately think she is scared to be alone however that is not vital after we got in bed amy told me that lots of men had proposed to evelyn but that she had scorned them all however she said that there was a man in the next house whom evelyn really liked she's dippy about him amy said you can see it they both simper and act silly when they meet and they have a basket strung between the houses on a wire you know they're ever so close and they pass notes that way honestly i said it didn't sound like evelyn she seems too hard for anything romantic honestly amy assured me she doesn't think any one will notice the wire and the basket is hidden under her window-box i see i said and i did there are flower-boxes on the outsides of a good many of the windows it would be easy enough to manage to make one a garage for her basket mail carrier if she wanted to she'd die if any one knew it amy confided it would fuss her i just can't imagine evelyn mooning around in the dark waiting for that basket to slide across i'm dying to get one of those notes wouldn't it be funny to fill that basket full of cold flour paste i said just think how she'd jump if she slid her hand in it up to the wrist wouldn't she agreed amy and giggled but of course we mustn't she added in a sobered tone of course not 
i said adding she couldn't tell on us either no said amy but we mustn't let that influence us where could we get the paste i suggested that we ask the cook to let us make candy saturday night then we giggled a good deal and after that amy said darn awfully hard and got out of bed growling and fussing terribly for she'd forgotten to say her prayers the next morning when i got up i found my bracelet was gone and i was upset by it and disappointed because i had wanted to wear it down to mr kempwood's i decided to ask madame jumel to return it again although the recollection of the way it came back before made me so frightened that my palms grew damp even though my hands were cold but i did want it even at that time i had made up my mind i would win for madame jumel had given it to us it was ours and she had no right to make every one miserable so at about three-thirty i went over to the jumel mansion i asked which room madame jumel slept in this time and they told me i went up to stand at the door some visitors went past me talking of the room where lafayette has slept and of washington's bedroom but neither washington nor lafayette interested me that day you know i whispered it isn't fair you gave it to her and since you did and then i stopped for one of the curators came by and heard me absorbing the habit from one of the old mistresses he asked i didn't know what he meant and he explained it seemed madame jumel's mind had wavered as she grew older and she did strange things among them talking to herself of the great people she had entertained and the power she had been absolutely mad said the gentleman whom i had come to know well in those few visits why she employed a lot of french refugees who were out of work and would take any starving i suppose brought them up here and drilled them as her army boys who were fishing on the other side of the river would look up to see the old woman heading a little crowd of ragged men who carried sticks for guns she always rode a horse sitting erect and now and again they said she would turn proudly to survey her troops she was a queer one they say he paused and looked in the room that she haunts this room i don't believe in such things but her relatives who lived here afterward three families they were swore that she came back to rap so hard that the walls shook they all quarrelled and none spoke to each other but having no money while they waited for the will to be settled they lived here the nelson chase family the will chase family and the perrys the chases were her nephews mrs perry her niece mademoiselle nitska the governess of small matilda perry did not believe in ghosts but one night even she was convinced you'll find all that story in a book called the jumel mansion which mr william henry shelton whom you have seen here wrote i hunted mr shelton and he showed me this i won't quote it entire but only in part it is in his book as mademoiselle nitska told it i came to live at the mansion three years after madame jumel died or about eighteen sixty eight my room was on the third floor after a little time i was moved down to the lafayette room to be nearer mrs perry who was in nightly terror of the ghost of madame jumel which she claimed came with terrible rappings between twelve and one o'clock or about midnight mrs perry would come to my room in the night in great excitement to escape the ghost one night she insisted on my coming to their bedroom and awaiting the ghost i had always told them there was no such thing as a ghost on that particular night the trouble began as early as seven o'clock in the evening they had just come up from supper when mrs perry rushed into the hall trembling with fright and calling mademoiselle at about that same time probably hearing cries mr perry came up the stairs from the kitchen where he had been toasting cheese he disliked to sleep in the room in question claiming that madame jumel had come to the side of his bed in white and she described it quite a while mademoiselle nitschke said it was a very quiet september night and hardly a leaf stirred she said they all sat in absolute silence and things seemed to grow even more still as midnight approached 
and when it came a loud rap such as a wooden mallet might make came directly under mr perry's chair from which he said he leaped as if he had been shot and i for one don't blame him well then mademoiselle who must have been very brave asked if madame jumel desired prayers said for her and madame replied with three knocks which is knock language for yes mr shelton told me more and i enjoyed it so much but i could not understand it and it made me feel creepy i think it is pleasanter not to believe in ghosts after this since it was getting late i went downstairs and stood before the portrait and here i again asked for my bracelet it seemed to me the portrait smiled unpleasantly but i suppose that was only my imagination for when you are nervous you cannot tell what you see or what you don't and the real becomes hazy and the unreal real i was glad to go to mr kempwood's but i will tell about that later that night the bracelet came back amy slept with me and we were ready to sleep having worked very hard to make flour paste of the right consistency it had to be sloppy and so that it wouldn't harden when cold we also had to arrange an inner holder for it since the basket was not built to hold juice we didn't get started undressing until ten and jane who is supposed to remind us of bedtime became very disagreeable but we ignored her and didn't let her irritate us we fixed a heavy paper inside to the basket and then poured the stuff in and then amy pulled it halfway out on the line so that evelyn would think he'd started something we put ice in it and it began to feel far from pleasant we both tried it sort of like cold frogs mash said amy which was an admirable description then after this we went to bed we decided we needn't stay awake for we felt sure that evelyn would yell and she did but that comes later i didn't go to sleep early i have not since the bracelet was first returned and the consciousness that it might come back again in the same way made me lie awake and feel gaspy so when i heard a little noise i was not surprised our door was open a little way and there was a noise at this then a scratching noise by my bedside the bedhead is by the door in the tiniest light something glittered and made a bright point slowly moving across the floor i struggled up and somehow found my searchlight swallowing hard and feeling sick i pressed it the jumel bracelet lay one yard inside the door on the floor it was the glitter on the gold that had let me see it as it moved it had come back again End of chapter nine